When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive, on-demand content, or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights, everyone. Today, we're excited to share our recent conversation with renowned Welsh musician, songwriter, and record producer, Carl Wallinger, best known for leading his group World Party and for his time in the 80s with the band The Waterboys. We caught up with Carl from the control room of his new studio in Hastings in southern England, where he's overlooking the sea, the English Channel to be exact. When he's not tracking ships in the harbor, he's busy working on his studio and various musical projects, including reissuing World Party albums on vinyl and generally living a pretty insular life with the energetic spirit for which fans have come to love him. It was an honor to chat with him, and I'm happy to be able to share that chat with you now. Take a listen, and we'll catch up again at the end. I think we should be we should be good here, Carl. So, Wallinger, right? Yeah, yeah, Carl Wallinger. Okay, yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure, because I, I thought that's what it was, and then, then I rethought my own thoughts. I was like, hmm. Uh, I think I'm the most uh, changed named man in history, and as far as the publicity I get goes, because I've been Kurt Elinger and <laughs> you know Kurt. I'm often Kurt Bollinger, and it's like, uh, well, you know, this could be a problem. This Wallinger thing. I was thinking of changing it to Torn or something, you know, or you know, like Rip Torn, you know. But hey, I'm stuck with it. So I wonder what Rip Torn's real name was. It probably was <coughs> something pretty hard, right? Because he went with Rip Torn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? So where are you right now? I'm in the uh, control room of a studio that I've just finished building and started recording in, in a town called Hastings in south southern England, overlooking the sea. The studio has always been called Sea View, and for 30 years I had a view of the city of London, and a kind of a, quite a good view of the city of London. It was used as a fire watch in the war where I used to be to see if buildings were on fire all across the town. You know, so we were quite elevated, but it was. It was Sea View Studios, but it wasn't the sea. It was the sea of humanity, you know. So um, I just basically moved to the seaside. Now I've got a real sea view, so it's it's much improved. You know, I can see the English Channel, and I can see the uh, amazing amount of shipping. There's a little program you can get called a uh, you know ship ship recognizer or something, and uh, and you can see all the shipping on the uh, in the channel, and it's it's amazing how much there is going on all the time. It's incredible the amount of stuff we're sending to each other all the time. It's sort of uh, it's quite amazing, and I can sort of look out and keep track on it. And you can click on the little thing and the horizon, and you can see where it's coming from, where it's going to, and what you know. It's uh, but there's I mean it's there's thousands of ships out there. It's unbelievable, you know. So Sea View Studios, it's good to keep an eye on the world. It's crazy because you know over here we have all these containers and they're sitting in the ocean. Yeah. And they they can't quite dock, so we're having a supply chain problem over here. <laughs> I, don't, I I think there's uh, that's going on everywhere. I think, and it's just um, I don't really know what's happened. Why it can't go back, but it seems to not be going back together how it used to be. And we've got to take the hint, I think, and change a few things. But um, people seem to be intent on going back to sort of uh, post-war living over here with our attitude towards Europe and all that stuff. I hate it. So it's, it's I've withdrawn from the country because the country's withdrawn from sense. So I'm not, I'm no, I just happen to live in this plot of land. I don't really feel like I'm a, 
Uh, I think British is kind of a strange thing to be right now. It's uh, we've alienated ourselves. So I've alienated myself from the alienators, and uh, I'm following America more than I'm following England. Really, um, I'm, it, it's because it's kind of fascinating. What's going on there is just crazy. <laughs> so um, it is. I've never seen anything like it. You've never had anything like it. It's. Not, I don't understand what's going on, but um, the big baby certainly has ripped up the. Uh, the 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 playroom and thrown his rattle around and now he's going crazy. I mean, it's just a crazy thing. This 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 guy who's I kind of really quite a quite a worthless piece of really right. And and he's and he's done this thing to this country that's you know got rovers on Mars and you know has been defining you know the culture for you know a hundred years. You know, I mean, it's just. What he's done is just unbelievable. But well, you know, it, it, is, it, it must is, have been out there. It must have been out there for him to do it. You know, so. for sure. It's been such a crazy time, and yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about the U.S., of course, is like you said, we can put someone on Mars, and we can race to a vaccine, and then we can just be down the hole in other ways. <laughs> it's it's definitely. Uh, I mean, those balance. those irate people shouting at school board, people in their cars, you know, and shouting at them like they want to kill them. It's just, it really is a, a, a kind of mental illness these people have got that they've been, you know, it's 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 so crazy. It's just, I mean, I don't know how it's going to come together because it doesn't look like it's going to come together in a handshake anytime soon. You know, I mean, um, but I mean, it's just, a, it's a, it's fascinating. It's no, I, it's, I think I think it's Darwin the best movie ever made. You know, yeah, I, mean, I think Darwin's going to have a play here. So we're going to see know. I don't know about that. We, <laughs> the survival of you. the fittest. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to wait a few thousand years for any of us <laughs> to feed, like, uh, uh, what is was it called? Um, you know, um, oh, uh, what the f- is the word? Um, anyway, uh, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I've had one of those interview moments, forget what the word is. Right. I'm, I'm an idiot, idiot. <laughs> moments there, you know. So uh, evolution, basically, that's what I wanted to say. I mean, you know, waiting for evolution to happen is uh, quite difficult, really, because we don't see we seem to be evolving backwards, and we seem to be evolving into a lack of sense and a lack of empiricism, really. You know, I think we need a good dose of Bertrand Russell immediately. <laughs> you know, like sort of a logical analysis, basically, without all this heated emotions that are just so misplaced. It's well, you know, over here you we can't say, believe what you what you're seeing in interviews of people at these rallies and stuff. It's just it's a crazy thing, man. I, I hope you get through it because it looks like you're not it, at the moment. It looks like it's not going to come back to normal anytime soon. I mean, well, uh, I have to say the last uh, year has started to feel a little bit more normal. So we'll uh, we'll cross our fingers. And over here, yeah. I don't know if you know who Walter Cronkite was, but yeah, 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 we yeah, always yeah, yeah. sort of joke about the fact that Walter Cronkite needs to come back and like make some sense about you yeah, know, sort it out, stuff. interview right, a few out. people with no shit sort of thing. I mean, these people that, I mean, they're great. I mean, it's, I guess it should be a fertile time for songwriting because it's so insane, you know, but it's almost like you can't compete with the insanity that's going on with any kind of song or description of it because itself is so mad and it's such a, you know, it blocks out any commentary on it really because it's just, it's just insanity. It's, I, you know, it's difficult to write about it really without, you know, I'm trying to do uh enthusiasm and uh you know kind of lust for life sort of thing you know following the the, the you know life you know and, and i i believe in um chipmunks and and uh you know uh termite mounds and bees and the ability of butterflies to fly across oceans well i more than i believe in anything to do with humans really at the moment you know they're sort of you know crazy well, you'll have to come over to Memphis. Come visit us. I'd love to come over. Because we, come we're in a little small world here. We're, we have a studio and we don't have to think about all those other things. <laughs> we can, well, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's just that it's all around, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like you're encircled. No, I, I, try, I, I try and live a, you know, a, a kind of insular life here, um, especially during the lockdown. I've been out, I don't know, seven times in the last 20 months, you know, so it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, you know, so... It's good. I mean, it's I've needed to be here anyway, so you know. Okay, so I've just been working. So during the lockdown, and and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to ask you a few questions about your 
childhood and growing up and, and a few things that like that. That far back. Oh, I can't remember any of that <laughs> stuff. That's long gone, that is. That's, you, know, you killed a few brain cells me. along the way. Yeah. I mean, we all have. Um, yeah. But what did you do during the lockdown? Were you writing or what were you doing? Yeah, just like I said, I've come down here uh, uh, four years. We've been here four years now and I'm just still getting the studio together and, um, you know, just writing stuff. And I, I just needed to be in the studio. So it was perfect. And the only other thing I've been doing is just releasing the catalogue on vinyl. That's the only other project we've, we've done, you know, basically. And um, that's been nice to do. And 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 I, I'm sort of interested in what I'm doing in the room. So that's good. So, um, you know, it makes life more bearable when you can go to work. Because I, I didn't have a studio for since 2012 until we got here. Um, I'd moved out of the one in London, which I had for sort of better part of 30 years. And um, and it was fantastic and great and great fun. And we did a lot of stuff there, but um, it was time to move on, you know, and um, uh, it's nice to be somewhere else and just in a new um, experience, really, you know, just a new experience. It's a great, it's, it's a great view here. The, the land goes away towards the town and it goes to the sea and the line on the, you know, from, from the studio, it's like you can see out to sea and, that's really nice, and it's um, it's a welcome removal from the craziness of the centre of London, which was... I mean, when I go there now, it's very well-heeled, and uh, all the things are expensive, and the people are expensive and stuff, but uh, uh, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. I'm glad I'm somewhere else, you know, sort of thing. It's nice. Well, you're going to have to send me a photo, and then I'm going to show people the view out your window. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, how about yeah. that? I can't, I can't do that because it's gone dark, but uh, <laughs> I would have done otherwise. <laughs> So we're going to also, we're going to get to Goodbye Jumbo because you're re-releasing, like you said, um, a bunch today. of your albums on, on vinyl. And today. 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 It's the big day. Yeah. So, so we're going to, we're going to talk about that, but um, you grew up in Wales and um, yeah. so what was it like growing up in Wales? I know London was the big center for music at the time and yeah. did it trickle out to Wales? Well, I, 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 I grew up in Wales and then we moved down when I was about seven. We moved down to, to just outside London and we were there for about four or five years. And then we moved back to the same house in Wales again that we never got rid of kind of thing. And But by that time, I'd kind of I, I sort of left home in a way because I, I sort of boarded at school and, you know, you know, um, wasn't at home a lot. And uh, so the whole thing about knowing people locally was just very sort of strange. And um, when I when I went back as a teenager, I kind of, uh, that's how I got to know the alarm kind of thing, because I used to drink in the pub down the road. And I went down there looking for, you know, to socialise and stuff. And uh, I, I, that's who I bumped into up there. And we had a great time for a couple of years just hanging out and playing together, you know, in a... Um, there was this old school hall, a town, not a town, village hall kind of thing. And they used to book it and rehearse in there. And they used to play like um, the Who Live at Leeds album, Note Perfect, all one side of the album, like as it was on the record kind of thing. And uh, they used to do it really well. And um, I was kind of impressed, you know, and I, I kind of uh, thought, yeah, that's good. And they were... So it was it was nice to find those guys and and kind of do music and have experiences. And it was good, good fun, you know, so... Yeah, it was all right. But I moved to London because I thought, I just want to get on with it. And then um, I, I left them um, up there and um, they actually, they came to London a couple of times. They were they were a band called The Toilets for a while. Then they were a band called uh, 16, or was it 17? And they wore like the knack, kind of black suits, black ties, white shirts. And I went to see them at the Music Machine the gig in London and there was no one there. And I was a bit depressed, and then I kind of came away, and I, I, and then a couple of years later, a year later, I went to see them as the alarm at the, uh, the, um, uh, what's it? I can't, I can't remember. Got very ab amnesia today. Um, what's it called? The uh, down in the West End. Oh God. Anyway, uh, I went to see them at this club down in the West End, and they was just like stuffed. It was just full of people, all wearing the, the sleeveless denim jackets with the big hair and the whole thing, and it was like they were the alarm now, and it was like. <laughs> It was so funny to see this 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 thing, you know, and it happened, and it was great, you know. And when I was on tour with the Waterboys, we used to bump into them a lot, and um, you know, they'd be in like the next caravan in a field in France, kind of thing, you know. It was it was it was nice to know them, and you know, it was a good laugh. We had a good laugh. So you play a bunch of instruments. What did you play first? 
What was the first one? Uh, piano, I suppose, really. Just, it's it cool. Thing or... at home. I, I didn't know it at the time, but it was a minor third flat. So all the songs I'd written when I was in Wales, I went down to London and played them. I was like, I can't sing anymore. It's crazy, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 and I suddenly realised that our piano was so flat. It was unbelievable. But um, apart from that, I really enjoyed playing that and just, just trying to... All I've ever tried to do is just get better at doing what it is that I do, you know, and, and have fun doing it. That's been the main thing, you know. So uh, it's just the beginning of that journey, really, to learn how to make songs that other people got something from and that had their own lives. Like I said before, they're, they're quite... Um, I kind of almost resent songs, the fact that you write them and then they go off and have this amazing time and they go to all the, you know, weddings and birthday parties and, you know what I mean, and special moments and and they're there between moments between two people or moments of inward introspection of a person that's an amazingly big moment for them or something like that. You know, they people latch on to songs and they're really important to them, but they don't latch on, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm there going, yeah, hello. Uh. Do they feel <laughs> like children like, that are going out yeah, in the world? I, yeah, they feel like children that, 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 yeah, that sort of go away and don't want anyone to know who their parents are. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of embarrassed, they're embarrassed by their lineage, you know. I don't know, you know, but it's a, it's a sort of amazing thing, you know. It's, it's. Um, I think that's the wonderful thing about songs, you know, that they are, sort of, they're like they've got personalities and they've got, they're just not able to walk or be manifest or make the tea or whatever it is, you know. But they can do a lot of things that that even people can't sometimes, you know what I mean? They 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 can console and they can inspire and they can. They can love, you know. They can, they can bring love on. That's for sure. You know what I mean. So I mean, it's a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy thing. You know, it's a, it's a good thing. It's an amazing thing. You know, uh, luckily, or else I couldn't justify sitting around in rooms for most of my life, sitting on a chair playing this piece of wood. You know, I mean, I, I have to give it some justification. You know, so. So when you write a song, is the melody or the lyrics one or the other more important, or is it just equal for you? I think um, I do a lot with what's called scrambled eggs lyrics. You know, they're just stuff you sing while you're doing this piece of music because the piece of music has a, a, a kind of place it lives, a kind of it's describing something. And the song, you might have a few words or a hook line or a, a something, and, and really the, your, your job is to get out of the way <laughs> with your personality, get that out of the way, because that's just a stupid thing that's that gets you into trouble all the time anyway, so why rely on it? Just get out of the way with your intelligence and your personality and try and just become invisible and let the song kind of construct itself, really, that's the thing. And um, and that, that's, that's really what I try to do. It's like I, I don't really know what it is that I'm doing until I play it back at the end of what I've done. You know, I'm not really... Um, I'm not really a clever <laughs> artist like that. You know, I just kind of have to do, you know, I have to kind of um, just find it in a way that's as little to do with reality as possible, you know, sort of thing. Just, does that make any sense? No, that it does, and, but it sort of begs a question in my head that if that's how it's very free form for you, then later on when you hear people talking about a certain song and they have kind of a deeper meaning behind it, is that... Is that fun for you to to hear, or is it intriguing? You know, the, the, the... I think I think you don't know. I mean, um, what I was, you know, it's like uh, there might be, you know, it might be um, uh, an attempt to bring, you know, it's like I don't know what it is. It's like going to the, it's like going through the gate and bringing back some sort of objects from the other side or something, and showing them, and people recognise them or not, and. Uh, they ring a bell or not, or they're in a certain order that no one, you know, that you kind of like, oh, I've never seen that before, but it makes sense. Or it, it's, um, it's strange. It's like, you know them, but you don't know them. It's so strange. You know, when you hear something, there's a recognition, but there's also a kind of attraction because it's unknown. And it's like this thing that you've always known that was like that, but you've never heard it expressed in that way. And it makes you feel like a frisson of like, oh yeah, that's good. You know, that's, I like that. And then you put in other things like uh, the emotion of playing an instrument and the emotion you can get from music. And it becomes pretty, yes, yeah, pretty strong stuff. But I mean, um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's losing that a lot with the machines these days. I think that's, 
you know, I keep thinking things like, oh, I'd love to do something that's it's just nothing to do with machines, you know what I mean? But uh, I, I'm trying not to make any rules, you know, so. I'm blathering on as well, aren't I? I'm blathering on. Music can be so impactful. I mean, you write something and like you said, it ends up at someone's wedding and then that's the song that they remember forever. It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing how these things happen. And as a musician, yeah. I would imagine you're not really thinking in terms of that impact and then it just happens. No. You've got to do, yeah, you've got to not, you've got to think about nothing really and just let whatever it is that's, that's lurking in the back areas or whatever of your mind or whatever come out and just, um, it's this weird sort of logical, uh, illogical, you know, sensible, senseless, uh, you know, thing. It's a, it's a weird thing, you know, but I mean, um, yeah, no, I love doing it and uh, I do it with various degrees of success and whatever throughout the years, you know what I mean? So, but I mean, it's getting, we're going to have to up our game because all the people who are really good at it are sort of disappearing at an alarmingly fast rate at the moment. So, you know, and uh, and the replacement um, uh, sort of, um, the replacement sort of is a strange, I, I, I kind of quite anxious about the role of machines and of the man because the man's you know back in charge and it just seems to be very strange really it's um it's a strange world uh, for the artistic sort of social interaction it's it's i mean it's massive and it's people are into things and they're into specific things massively but it's it's just a strange world for me i just you know i don't get it fully but you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm you know eager to learn you know whatever you know so how did you hook up with the Water Boys? And that was before World Party, but yeah. how did you hook up with them? Um, I just was reading Sounds magazine and he was talking about putting the band together and about what they wanted to do. And there was an advert. He said there was an advert in the back for a, a guitarist, I think. And I just gave the number a call and said, uh, you're looking for a keyboard player, you know. And they were just about to go and do a TV and germany and they had somebody playing the keyboards but didn't have a drummer and the keyboard player played drums so he said yeah come down to the studio and have a play and we he sent me a tape with a few songs on and i learned them and we went down i played them with him and and i got in the band you know and um and then we we did our own thing i was singing in a funk band at the time as well called out and we were both sort of um you know i just i just decided on just to go with the water boys and just sort of um you know, do keyboard things, you know, and, um, but, um, and it was good. I mean, uh, we were doing things like with the, with the funk band, we we're doing things like Shalimar covers and stuff like that, which I, lo I love, you know, and I, I just had to sing. So I had all these great players around me and, 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 uh, that was really nice, but it, it just, um, it just seemed like the water boys was, um, it was just good, good stuff, you know, and, uh, Mike was very intense and into what he did and was good at it. And, um, we're still finding a lot of things out. Um, I found him interesting uh, in, intellectually, and um, his his uh, his vibes were were just interesting. So it was the first it's the first time I met anybody who was trying to do this similar sort of thing, you know, and was off on a journey with it. So it was it was great. So I joined him really on the journey, and and sort of went so far. You know, we put the albums out and. Uh, just even things like recording an album. I mean, I'd never done, I'd never done the recording an album thing, you know. So um, I'd only ever put one together for a publisher's that was made out of several, just several sessions that you did in a day, you know. Um, so I'd never really done an album and all that kind of stuff. So it was great to be part of a band that was recording and putting albums out and going on the road. And we did loads of good touring, and um, we went round with the U2 Unforgettable Fire tour, and that was quite fun to do. And uh, you know, just stuff, just doing stuff, you know, was great. And a good record company. And I, I got a deal with the same company. Um, and then I, after a year of having the deal, I was still with the Waterboys. I hadn't done anything. And I just sort of thought, I just want to, I just want to do some things because I've got some songs and I need to get, you know, to record them. And they were going away to go on tour with the Simple Minds around Europe. And I sort of went, I, you know, it's not, it's not what I'm doing. I'm just going to go and record. So, uh, you know, see you later. And um, and that's what I did. I just I, I went and found a house in the country, 
which there was an artist living in, sort of looking after it for an estate. And um, it was like a sort of, you know, huge old, like, rectory uh, and had great grounds, had a, it had a um, you know, stable block and crazy stuff. And he, he was just looking, he was just living in it. It was like all kind of run down and stuff, but it was an amazing place and it was really inspiring place. And I just, by by fate, I kind of found him and said, hey, Ed, you know, do you, you, know, do you mind if I come here and make a, a racket kind of thing? And he went, no, great, you know, just... So I moved in there and did the first album there in the in this house in the country. After leaving the Water Boys, I just went and just kind of got immersed in, in, in the songs and songwriting and was just, you know, it was thrilling. It was great. It's the first time I'd ever done an, my own album. And I was, I mean, I was making Sergeant Peppers, you know, uh, you know, Abbey Road, uh, Led Zepp 3, you know, all at the same time, you know, like, you know, I was, I, I, you know, I was everyone who I'd ever, you know, I was, I was George Martin for a while, you know, <laughs> was, you know, it was just great. It was just a, an amazing experience. And, um, and then the songs that came from that enabled me to carry on. So, and that's what I've ever, always done, really, until 2001 when I got kind of, you know, sort of shot in the head by the aneurysm kind of thing. That's what happened to me. I had an aneurysm in 2001 and then didn't work for five years, sort of thing. But up until that time, I was on that course that started off in that house and just was a, was its own story, you know. So. Well, 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 I was going to ask you about the aneurysm. I guess I could ask you about this now. Did you think that that your career in music was over, or do you always know that if you rested enough or or, or, or tried enough, I, you could come back? Yeah. I, I didn't know what was you know I didn't know what was on the cards. I mean, um, there was certain practicalities like I've got no right hand vision, but in both eyes, so it's a weird one. I've got this sort of left stereo. But, you know, looking at the guitar neck, I, I, I have to really turn my head now to see it. Looking at the piano, I always used to look at my right hand and the shapes it was making when I when I looked down. Now I can see my left hand. And so my piano playing has changed to sort of incorporate that. So I, I'm pretty much more active in my left hand than I've ever been. And I just went and played instruments for sort of four years just to get back on top of it, you know. I went out and did a gig after eight months just to sort of... There was a charity do, and it seemed like a good opportunity just to go and get a couple of guys and just go and do something in, in front of an audience and just see if it's possible. And it was okay, and it was great, you know. So I knew it was all right, and then I went away for sort of four years and got better and just, you know, um, and then sort of started doing gigs in 2006, really. So, And then did 10 years of more than we've ever done, but we didn't release any albums. So, you know, it was a weird time. You know, it was like... Um, I had control of my catalogue. I got it from EMI when I left in 98. And um, I put an album out on, on a label that I got a new deal with sort of thing. But it, it, it just wasn't, that wasn't happening either. And I, I I just decided to do my own label. And and then it was getting better from the aneurysm and then doing these live gigs for 10 years, really. It's like now's the time, that the first time that I've really gone into the studio and, and sort of thought, okay, things are kind of normalised enough, let's try making a record, you know. I mean, I've been recording the whole time, but making a record, I haven't been making a record. I've just been, you know, just seeing what's there, you know. So. Well, you've been at this long enough to see the music business change. Yeah, every yeah. time I released an album. You know, <laughs> right. So, yeah. so how would you say it's different for you, the way that you either record, market, whatever, since you started What's different these days? God, I mean, well, the whole thing, I mean, it's just the the internet's had a huge impact, um, you know, with iTunes and with Spotify and with um, the streaming services generally, um, YouTube. I mean, music is um, it's stolen, really, because it's what people use to bring in customers and, you know, bring. it's, a, it's one of the sources of, uh, you know, like a product that people can offer. Uh, so it's as been actually taken away from musicians. I think we should have, we should have made a, a society that um, basically was strong enough to get rid of the record labels and we should have kept our copyrights and joined together in a kind of collection agency. And I think that would have been a lot better than just... Because the record companies have sold the musicians out again um, over the last sort of 10, 15 years, you know, so... Um, to sort of reorganise themselves. 
the whole 360 deal thing, you know, the whole, you know, we can't make any money out of records anymore. So we got to make, sorry, you got to give us your T-shirts. You know, <laughs> right. it's like, it's so, it's so crazy. It's just like, no, no, it's like this. And it's the new norm now. So you got to do the new norm. And it's like, it's not the new norm. Fuck off. You know, it's like, they're all crazy, man. They're, they're just, they are crazy. So. Yeah, I've never understood that because everyone who works, works for money. And yeah. writing a Art song is work. <laughs> musicians are a special case. They get it from somewhere else. They get their sustenance from the ether where they, they you know, and they have their egos massaged and, you know, girls and everything, drugs. It's like amazing. So they don't need any money. Don't give them any money. Just tell them it's all going to be all right, you know. I mean, some of the best stuff happened when people didn't really get much money. So we've always kind of been, there was just a golden age, um, a bit like football is now, you know, where, where these players who used to get 750 quid a week now get 750,000 a week. You know what I mean? It's like, a, and, and it was a bit like that, you know, your, 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 your Crosbys and your Stills. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they did some big deals and stuff. But I mean, then, you know, going later than that as well. I mean, I'm just trying to think who the big... Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure Michael and Janet Jackson used to get enormous multi-million pound deals. You know, it was like crazy shit, man. And, and I think that's changed quite a lot. Oh, for sure. There, there's, um, there's maybe a handful that get that kind of deal now, but I don't think many. Yeah. Not yeah. many. I mean, it's, 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 it, they're more in control. And, and um, I think there's less, um, I don't know, really. It's, it's very difficult to... You know, I think it's kind of anything, really. It's anything goes. You just have to try and make sure you can survive until you can earn some money from what it is that you're doing, you know. And then when you do, then good luck to you, you know. And then, you know, hopefully you can exploit it. But I I, I was never into putting songs in adverts. And I hated it when the Hendrix track was used in the Levi's ad and all that kind of stuff. Because I think it just, it just, uh, it's, it's, you just lose it. You lose it with the music. It's, um... Uh, I, I, and I never did. And then I got a, a situation where they weren't, they told me they weren't going to release She's the One as the single for Robbie Williams if I didn't okay it for the place to, uh, the Sega Saturn advert that they had it clued up with. I mean, how the hell She's the One had anything to do with Sega Saturn? I don't know, but, but that's what they were advertising it with. And it was just a, I think that was about the first time, you know. Um, but, um, I didn't really ever like doing that with adverts and all that stuff. I think film music's different because it's it's for a purpose. You're telling a story. There's a thing there. It's not like a... But I think advertising, you know, cars or dishwashing liquid is just, like, it's crazy. It's, it pisses me off, you know. So, anyway, there you go. Did you feel better when you got control of your catalogue from BMI? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I kind of always felt like I had that control anyway, because I had all the tapes at my own studio, you know what I mean? I had all the physical things at my own studio, uh, but not having that, those the rights there. I mean, um, it's, it's been great. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I was very misunderstood. <laughs> I was very, by the main labels, you know, but it, but it was weird. It was like, um, people used to say, you know, you're too wide, you're too, you don't focus on a type of music or, you know, you're not marketable and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, I seem to remember some other people who weren't always doing the same track a lot. You know, like, uh, what were they called now? The 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 B... The B oh, anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a, it's a strange thing when you, you know, they didn't sort of... They just didn't get it, really, in a way, you know. they And, um, I mean, it's just what happens, you know. It's just what happens. I mean, I, I do what I do, and I'll always do it. And it's, it's kind of... In a way, it's kind of nice, because I've seen what happens to a lot of people who do become the source of income to a lot of people which is what happens to you when you get big you know yeah you get it yourself but you become this thing that people want to plug into everything to maximize the profits baby you know what i mean and i think that's it's been nice not to have that kind of thing going on because i don't think i'd be very good at that at surviving it kind of thing you know so so is it strange when you have a hit in one country and not another or vice versa you know some song that say takes off in the US and not in England or yeah. vice versa. Oh, they, they, I mean, they always did about the same, you know, about the same um, thing, really. I mean, um, I mean, we, we, we never really had a kind of, uh, you know, I suppose Ship of Fools, and that was the same sort of like all over the place, really, um, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, within a reasonable tolerance, you know. I mean, um, 
I can't think really there are many other track. I mean, you know, it's like we haven't really had a lot of single action. You know, I mean, it's it's been the albums really that have that have been the main thing for us. You know, we've never. I don't know what it is, but uh, we someone decided that we were going to be a well kept secret for some reason. I don't know what it is, but that's that's just how it's happened. You know, so um, who knows? Well, I um, had a CD, a World Party CD. Um, yeah. I I still have it. I believe it was from the early nineties. I would yeah. have to look at the, uh, um, but I, but I have that CD. Uh, what, like a promo or was it bang? Was it, was it, was, uh, was it called bang or was it, was yes. it by Jumbo? No, bang. Bang. Yeah. With a sort of scary cover. Yes. Changed. Yes. I, I put, I, I made it, I made it the, uh, there's a sort of fake, um, Lichtenstein explosion. Um, and it's by this guy called Dickie Braganza. Is he real? Oh, I don't know. No. Um, and um, it's it's just, uh, it's funny because he's done a lot of things, this guy. And um, it's just another another one of his works. Um, but it's what I always wanted to do, just a, a cartoon bang on the front. That's what it was. And and they because we had Jumbo with the gas mask and all this sort of thing, the record company was saying, a record company as ever was saying, oh, can't you do something a bit like the Jumbo cover? So uh, we went and did that thing, which is just scary. I, it just scares me, that picture on that one with the face and all that. It's like, oh, you know, Carl's cracking up, you know. Well, crazy. speaking of Goodbye Jumbo, you're re-releasing it on vinyl. And so I... Today. Today. Today, it's the big day. And yeah. so the question I had was, was it ever released on vinyl previously or not? Yes, it was. It was. Okay. Yeah, many moons ago. I mean, it's a 30-year-old album, isn't it? It's a 1990. It's a 31 years old, isn't it? Yeah. You're making me feel um, old. It's crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah, it was released on vinyl, but very short. You know, And also at the time, vinyl was like not enjoying the same thing that it's enjoying now, which is like getting taken seriously as a, as a, as a, as a format, um, which I think is a great format. It always was. And the CD isn't anything the cd's a, a way of holding digital files it's not an entity in itself um it's not a thing but a record is a thing it's like a it's the actual sounds analog embodied in this in this plastic stuff this vinyl you know and um i remember looking down the lens at the grooves in the cutting room like years ago and and thinking that's those are the bumps and lumps created by my you know, jiggling about in the studio, you know, and it's quite amazing because it's like the, um, it's a bit like a sort of country version as if that it wasn't happening on the Death Star, it was happening in a, in a, in a terrain. And it's like that, where the, where the spaceship goes down the, the groove, the alleyway towards the dropping the bomb in the Death Star in Star Wars kind of thing. It's it, it, looking at the grooves in a record, it's like going down that, you know, when it's got the microscope on it, on the cutting machine. And it looks like something you'd travel along in some spaceship or something, you know, it's quite amazing. Well, you know, we, we actually have a record pressing plant here in Memphis. And um, we, I don't know if you know the artist Yola. She's actually a British yeah. artist, but she was putting out an album and we went out with her because it was coming hot off the press. And we, it was so fascinating to see this vinyl come off the press. And literally we put it on the record player and played yeah. it. It was yeah. crazy. Once yeah. it cooled down, it was a record already. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. it was, it was amazing. And um, so for you, do you think that your, the vinyl version of your song sounds better, that analog sort of sound, than a CD? I think, yeah, I think analog still, I still think analog is a better sounding thing just because it's all there. We can't tell really the difference, I don't think. I mean, um, I mean I'm mean, i sure we could play, you know, it all depends what you're playing through and what, you know, all this sort of stuff. But it really... We, we haven't got the ability, we haven't got the, the oral ability to be able to really tell. It's, you can have a feeling about something, but I don't think you can you can tell. We can't hear it, you know, discrete 44 thousandth of a second slices, you know. Um, but, um, but there's something nice about the fact that it's all there with analogue, that it's actually all from beginning to end. There's nothing, there's nothing sliced up or or made available in some other way, you know, it has to be, it has to be conformed to digital, then, you know, you have to go AD and then DA, you know, whereas just the record is just like, that just is a representation of the sound waves and it successfully transmits those to you again. It's like a way of sealing the sound into 
it's the true sound, you know, it's it's a strange thing. You can hear at the end of the at the end of the needle in a cutting rig, you can hear the, the, the record, you can hear the, the audio as it's being blasted into the disc, you know. And that's it's quite amazing that. It's not an electronic signal, it's the sound itself goes at high level into this this soft stuff, you know. And it's amazing really, anyway. But uh, I think artwork is great as well um much better much nicer and it's uh and the experience of putting a record on as well is is, is you're listening you're you're doing something that we just do on a press button thing now just turn on the radio and listen to whatever it is or turn on your your iphone you know spotify account and just listen to some you know playlist or something um that's a different thing altogether putting a record on was um it was a it was a special special thing, you know. It's a, it was to me, vinyl has always been like a good book. I mean, there's more to yeah. it than just the record. There's the great yeah. artwork. There's um, the liner notes, the lyrics. A lot of times, there would be a story or something about the artist, and and yeah. and so it was this little gift that you got. And you opened it up when you bought it, and it was there was more to explore there than just the music. Yeah, and, it used to blow my mind. I, I had a great record player that used to turn itself off. When it when it when it clicked back and went off, it used to go off, and so it was perfect for going to sleep with. The only trouble was I used to put my listening record on at the time, whatever it was, you know, uh, Fog on the Tyne by Lindisfarne or something, or Neil Young's Harvest or something like that. I'd put that on there, and I'd put the needle on and go, you know, settle down, go to sleep, get to the end of the side and have to have it again, you know, sort of, you know, <laughs> okay, we'll do it again. So you listen to it so many times, you know, but I mean, it, it was just. Um, yeah, magical. It was great. Records were great. Uh, but, I mean, you know, uh, we have to find the great now. We have to find a way of, of being up and, you know, feeling the possibilities. Because at the moment, it's 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 a strange world of, you know, crazy logic and kind of impossibilities, really. It's like a strange thing. How are you going to defeat this nonsense to get us all on this place where we can do something together. We can actually do something together. You know, it's just like, there's no chance of that at the moment. It's like, you know, and I don't understand what's going on. It's like a kind of cosmic rift that's happened. It's like beyond anyone's choice. But I just keep thinking of those people shouting at those school board officials like they want to kill them. It's just like, this has gone wrong. You know, this has gone wrong. You know, so I haven't quite figured out where all the anger is coming from because... People seem very amped up and angry about everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. They just seem to yeah. be angry. And granted, there's a lot of societal stress going on because we've all been going through quite a bit. But um, I think that is a lot of Trump's fault. That by normalizing his, his aggression towards certain things that piss him off, people have identified with him and they've let out their own anger at these stupid things because everyone's got a stupid thing about whether it's the parking restrictions in the town or whether it's the you know the, the traffic jams or the thing and it's, these all go together and it's like trump's like a way of of kind of blaming it on someone you know and so people are really letting rip with blame you know and uh, and it's and it's out to lunch because it's it's not it's not actually um well informed it's just it's 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 sort of ignorant and it's it's really dangerous and it's it's going somewhere very nasty you know and uh, and uh, I just don't want America to fall apart in a, in a in a war you know I I can see it so easily at the moment it's just uh, you know twenty two the Democrats have to win big and then it'll be all right you know and then and twenty four if they can win again and have a majority in the Senate. And just make it so that it doesn't fucking matter about the fucking filibuster, for fuck's sake. You know, it'd just be great, wouldn't it? But um, Well, when you look knows, back man. in American history, we've definitely had time periods like this where everyone is, seems to be at odds. And, um, and then it kind of moves back towards the center and uh, it gets polarized and moved back towards the center. So I'm crossing my fingers that... It's the first invasion of the capital, though, isn't it? But apart from, <laughs> oh, you know, the 1821 18, or whatever it was. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but it's the first... I mean, it's like, it's something that we never thought we'd see. It's something that was planned. And it's something that people have got to be punished for doing. But it looks sure. like at the moment they might get away with it. But it's got to be something 
big done to these people and and but there's only there's 75 million 77 million people who don't agree <laughs> well it's almost problem, as really. if it's almost as if you know a parent told the children it's okay for you to go crazy and you know there's a lot of checks and balances in our world and and there's this underlying um emotion they, 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 the, the founders and stuff didn't man didn't ever imagine this happening there did they i mean they didn't I mean, it's a, a, an ex-president going like this, going going into a sort of tamper tantrum over selfish, like a naughty kid. Really, he's a naughty kid. It's like, you know, I want my toy back. You know, it's like it's like you can't have your toy. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to have a riot then. You know, what I mean, it's like it's it's so it's just childish in the extreme. It's but it's dangerous, and people lost their lives and had their hands ripped off, and crazy shit happens, man. And it's like. Wow, it's not good. Anyway, well, so I'm back on it again. Right, well, <laughs> at least it's uh, all being, um, t- to your point, you know, you do something that's, you commit a crime, you, you know, you should be prosecuted, and they committed yeah. a crime. And so it's, it's being looked into, and I'm hopeful that... But Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and all those people, they should be prosecuted as well just for being arseholes, shouldn't they, really? I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, what is that guy? I mean, he's a smart guy, but he's, he's taking the piss, man. And if he thinks that's going to make him president, wow... It ain't going to work, baby, because, uh, you know, you're just... I mean, that whole thing with the... Oh, man, is he something else, that guy? You know, when he was telling telling Merrick Garland yesterday to, to resign, you know, I mean, Jesus, what the, what the hell is the guy on? You know, it's unbelievable. But then who is Merrick Garland? Not exactly thrilling, is he? No. <laughs> it's not like a... You know, have you ever heard of a guy called um, uh, Glenn Kirshner? No. Okay, he's a crazy he's a crazy guy, but he used to be he used to be a um, uh, a, a navy a prosecutor, and then he worked under Mueller in the in the DC office where it was, or you know wherever Mueller was, he worked under him, and um, he's really he's re- he's absolutely brilliant. He has a he has a look him up. He has a daily uh, sort of you know uh, like Lost. a video thing, you know, like a he gets on and just does a sort of ten minute rant about whatever it is i mean he'd be great because he'd have they'd all be in prison right now if it, if it was up to him but i mean all with the law and everything and the whole he's just sits there worrying about the fact that glenn uh that uh merrick garland doesn't do anything but he's very he's very good he's very succinct but he's very he should be he should be the attorney general then they'd, they'd, they'd really be worried <laughs> they'd really be worried <laughs> and he'd do it he'd do it he'd, he'd make the case and um because what they've done is something beyond you know, it's 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 crazy what they've done, and they're getting away with it. And it's just, it can't happen. And then, uh, no, people can't get away with this. And and I'm hopeful. I'm crossing my fingers that uh, you know there's there's enough momentum out there to make sure that the people pay for what they did. Yeah. And, and there are some really smart people like you're describing that are out there and making the case on on that yeah. side of it. And so. We, I think we all have hope that... Um, that oh, no, I mean, there's some great people. Out. I mean, you know, love Stacey Abrams and, uh, you know, they're, they're great. There's some great people out there. I mean, and there's some great women out there, which is really great. You know what I mean? That's, that's you know, I'm just totally, um, you know, such a fan of, of, of so many, really. It's, it's, it's been great, you know, and um, I just hope that sense can win, you know, in the end. So, uh, you know. Yeah. A- absolutely. And... So, is there any new music on the horizon? Yeah, writing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm enjoying working here. It's um, it's been good. So, yeah, hopefully we'll be out with a new record after we finished faffing around with the old records and and buying time with that. Um, but it'd be like towards the back end of next year. So, yeah, we're in the, we're in the slot with things. So. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Carl. So, I'm gonna we're gonna all run out and get the vinyl copy of Goodbye Jumbo, but then. Okay. When you put out the new album, let's catch up on that. Yeah, and I'd talk like to a send little bit one. about that. I'll send, I'll send you one. Um, you know, so make sure Patty's got your, you know, the contacts and where we need to send stuff to. So yes, absolutely. You know, Patty. You know, Patty. Oh yeah. yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Right. Well, thank you so much for uh, stopping no, by. And thanks uh, for thanks for putting up with my ranting. Oh no! Listen, <laughs> this was this was super fun. I, I really enjoyed it. It was okay, a great conversation. Great, great. Love the album, love love World Party, yeah. and uh, it was yeah. great to really meet you. And can't wait to hear the new stuff no. as well. 
no, no, no one can wait to hear it as much as me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm enjoying. So far, so good. You know, I'm enjoying stuff. So, and it's it's totally brilliant here. It's it's um, it, it, it's an amazing place. So you know, it's it's good. Okay, and don't forget to send me that picture of the ocean. I will. I will. Okay. But I have to wait till it gets light. Okay. Tomorrow. It'll be a bit boring right now. Okay. okay. Thank right. you, Carl. Thanks for your, thanks for your time. You thanks. have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye now. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with renowned Welsh musician, songwriter, and record producer, Carl Wallinger. We hope you'll follow Wallinger's projects, including World Party and the vinyl reissues that Carl's making available. It's really exciting for anyone that grew up with the band and for new listeners as well. And remember, you can visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content and download the official free Diddy TV app from your app store today. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.